On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about Crestron Masters 2020. It was a virtual event. What was different about it otherwise? What were some of the highlights, the key takeaways, and how do we learn differently and where can we improve moving forward? All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. A state of control, episode 71. Crestron Masters 2020. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Sound extraordinary. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So a few times a year at A State of Control, we cover uh, an industry event or something that's more time sensitive, whereas a lot of our other content is mostly evergreen. So this is one of those shows. And what we're going to be talking about is an event that was recently held. It was something that was supposed to be in person, but like many events in this pandemic time, uh, we they, it got moved to an online virtual event. And it it's uh, something that has also been going on for quite some time, almost 20 years now. Now that I went back and looked, the, the first one at least is officially said to be uh, 2001, and that is Crestron's Master's Training and Master's Conference. Um, so with me to discuss this topic are a few returning guests. Most of them you know very well, and they're also uh, a uh, Crestron Diamond programmers. But first, let me uh, introduce our field reporter today. Uh, he's my partner here at A State of Control, and you know him as Rich Fergoza. How are you, Rich? I am reporting from parts undisclosed. I, I, I feel like Bane in this. Gotham City! Gotham City! No. So, yeah, no, that was about it. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm actually dealing with a COVID field visit. So, uh, mellow West Coast pandemic greetings. And hopefully not on the, the medical side. Nope, unfortunately not. Good, good. So uh, next I'll introduce a couple of guys that you know quite well and have been on many of our shows. Uh, first off, we haven't seen him in, in, a, in a, little, a few months. Uh, he's Dave Hatz from AVI Systems. Welcome back, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Good to see you. And uh, last but not least, uh, Bernard Morgan from ICS Plus. He, we, we recently spoke with him, and we're glad to have him back. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Bernard. So uh, the, this year's Masters event, as I mentioned earlier, was scheduled to be in person. It was supposed to be in a, actually in a new site in, in Orlando, and uh, the, basically the height of the, the pandemic being in uh, – uh, late March or, and early April, and uh, it, it in a few short uh, weeks, let's say, it got converted to an online event, and it went from about three days of in-person time to what looked to me to be almost seven weeks of partial uh, trainings over uh, it, that that were ranged from a couple hours to uh, almost uh, half a day, so. 
Um, Rich, tell me a little bit about your experience with this year's Crestron Masters. And aside from the format, what, what, what were some new things that you can share and, and were important for everyone to know about? Well, I, I think the first part um, that I have to say about this is that uh, it's tough being the first. And in any shift, and we've said this before, and we were actually just talking about this before we started recording on the show, um, you know, you, you get tired of using the word unprecedented, but this was unprecedented. There was a plan laid out, a way of doing things, and, you know, in less than a 90-day period, it was completely flipped on its head. So, you know, the first reaction, obviously, would, for some, would be to point out, you know, kind of where the wheels fell off on things. But, I don't think it's necessarily fair to, to go down that road because, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know when starting out. And so I, I approached it initially with, I didn't know what I didn't know, how it was going to start out. Um, you know, it, it was one of the things that I looked at is that this was, for many of us, um, the first time dealing with a distance learning situation as adults. Now, most of us had kid, have kids or ones that have school-age children. Kids were dealing with this for three months. This was my first experience with, having to not be in a physical space, but still have to set aside time and focus and deal with the training. So, you know, for me, it was brand spanking new. Um, there was a lot of information. And sometimes for me, it was a matter of how to process the information. And it was, it was scheduling. I think the, the biggest thing for me was learning how to schedule different as opposed to being physically on a location. And I have a whole lot more respect for my kids um, being able to sit in a Zoom conference and being able to work their way through without distraction. And I know that I would, you know, bark at my kid when he would let himself get distracted. And all of a sudden I started looking at myself going, oh, I'm kind of doing the same thing. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, the, the technical merits and the information, I, I think we can talk about that, you know, with the, with the fellas right now. But for me, the biggest part was, it was a radical shift from how I've ever um, accumulated information than before. And there were some good things and there were some challenges. And so I think, you know, going forward, it'll give me the opportunity to decide if I can learn or what's the best way that I can learn moving forward. So Bernard, as somebody who's been on kind of both sides of the coin and, and been through many of these, you know, both from an attendee and an instructor perspective, what were some of the, the 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 takeaways that you had, and and um, how might this format have been beneficial? Well, I, I think one of the things that's beneficial first is that with it being online now, being one of a, a programmer slash developer, in the past it was very difficult for me to take any of the MTA classes because I was having to decide between do I take. I want to take my programming classes, but there's a couple of MTA classes that are very appealing to me, and you have to make a really hard decision on which way to go. And I think this format allowed the capability to take MTA classes as well as your programming classes because they didn't conflict with each other. So that was one of the big positives I think came out of that is that a lot of programmers uh, in, the, in the community took a lot of MTA classes. I, I personally took, I think, about six of them because there was a lot of good topics there that you know, once again, help build upon the ecosystem. I, I think the other side of this too is when we when we start unpacking this, I think it's it, 
really beneficial to look at an MTA course online versus one of the programming classes online. And there's some precedents. Obviously, we did it a certain way for 20 years. Um, not saying that's good. That's all because we've done it that way for 20 years doesn't mean we have to do it this way for 20 years. But I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that we've done over the last 20 years with doing this in person that it's hard to replace. But I think the conversation between needs to be able to say, here's the, the MTA classes. And because they are more geared towards lecture type thing versus a lot of the programming classes had a lot of exercises to go along with them. And I think that's kind of where we need to be very, you know, look at it from both perspectives of that in that way. So it's almost, and just to clarify, as we often do, and, and is a, a rule of thumb here at, at uh, Aviation, MTA is. I don't know the acronym off the top okay. of my head. Master Technology <laughs> I should know it. Yeah, it's the, what is it, Dave? It's master. a ma Master Technology Architect. Yes. So it's really geared towards the designers, the specifiers of, of the Crestron technology to understand how it was put, you know, how it gets put together, how you choose the right product, um, you know, the cases where a product works, where it doesn't. Um, not so much focused on the development that we as programmers think about, but how to get it so that we get quality systems as programmers when we come into the fold. Thank you. And, and uh, also another point of reference there is that the master's training as has been the past couple of years was open to designers as well as programmers and technology managers. So there was a, a broader spectrum of content than, and a broader audience that was being served here. Um, I, uh, Dave, as Bernard mentioned, you know, the formats were appropriate for some and not others. You know, it kind of makes me think a little bit is could there be value in uh, almost that like flipped classroom type of, of approach where you, you give the learner the content to do and, and consume in a recording and then you get together to do exercises and, and have more collaboration. Is, do you think that that could work in this situation, whether it was live or virtual? I, th I think it's certainly something to consider. I mean, what we're talking about here is curriculum de development. My wife's a professor and she f just that she's flipped her classrooms, you know, over the last few years, she's flipped all of her classrooms, all of her courses. And it comes down to understanding and really defining what objectives do you want the learner to, to, to come away with? And then what's the best way to articulate that and realizing that individuals learn differently. We all have different ways that we, we, naturally learn better. And, you know, sort of to Rich's point, over the years, Crestron has gotten better and better at that curriculum development for an in-person event. They've, you know, there, there's been years that were rougher and over the last four or five years, it's gotten better and better. Well, now in the course of, you know, several weeks, they had to take the format that was built for an in-person event turn it around to an online learning and doing it that quickly doesn't always afford you the benefit of going back to the beginning and really looking at the full benefits of really developing the curriculum for an online environment. So, you know, I think one of the takeaways that we're going to see, you know, in many areas, not just from Crestron or this event is companies and in, in, in organizations looking at how do we prepare to be a little more flexible rather than developing an event like Masters to only be in person, how do we develop it so that we have the ability, if it has to go all virtual, we can. 
If it can be in person, that probably is the preference. But you know, how how do you mix and and set yourself up to be flexible on a shorter time frame? Because at least for the foreseeable future, that's sort of the world we're in. Um, you know, to your question, you know, really about the you know is is flipping a class and something like this. I think it very much makes sense because one of the other challenges has always been the different levels of learner that come into an event at Masters. Bernard and I have been to darn near every one of these, and there's people on my team who this was their first one. Well, there's things that we learned 10, 15 years ago that are just sort of foundational experience that might be relevant to a topic that we're talking about now. Well, if they go back and talk about that topic to you know a room full of 200 people, maybe it only applies to 15 people. But for those 15 people, that's the most valuable thing they're going to hear of the entire event. So you know it might be that there's some opportunity to do some a little more prerequisite learning or some of the foundational you know 100, 200 level courses in more of a straight information. Just I don't want to say information dump. That's the wrong term, but just a a, a more of a lecture format. Um, you know, at the same time, one of the areas that Crestron had really focused on this year, and unfortunately, I think it suffered because of the online, was the lab. That we've been saying for a lot of years, don't give, make me go sit through 20 different sessions that are 45 minutes each. Give me longer span sessions. Let me get hands on. Let me really put the information to work in a lab environment. And they had developed, you know, the program was really developed for that focus in a number of key areas this year. Well, that's built on foundational knowledge. Maybe the foundational knowledge comes in an online format, and then the labs are reserved for the in-person event when you can have a little more of that person-to-person -person interaction. The, the instructor can get a better feel of how things are progressing and all. The interesting thing about it, too, is you think about this, Dave, is like they start planning master's almost a month after the master ends, the previous master's ends. So that they've planned for this almost 11 months and then having to shift, pivot, and change all that curriculum in that amount of time and not just with the two different paths of type of curriculum as well, bring it all online. Um, you know, that was a, a tremendous amount of work they put in to do that. So, I mean, I want to make sure that, you know, everyone knows that. I mean, they, did, they didn't start out thinking this was going to be online. They're like, oh, this happened. Okay, let's turn this around in less than 30, 60 days and get it online. So, obviously, in the process of converting the material that was had, you still want to cover those key points. But now, how do you do that virtually and do it within 60 days when you planned it 11 months ahead of time? Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't want it to be lost. Like you said, Bernard, th this turned out to be a, this exceeded my expectations, quite honestly, as an event yeah. that the, the breadth of topics that were covered, the depth of topics that covered, there were a lot of things in this year's masters that were direct feedback from the community over the past years. There were a lot of things that you can tell, you know, the, the, the core team really listened, took to heart, and implemented change based on the feedback they got. Um, and so, you know, I know, you know, after every master's, you know, Crestron sends out surveys. They want to hear feedback. And, you know, it was very evident, at least to me, that that feedback is being heard. And, you know, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm disappointed to not have seen this come to fruition in its intended format, because I think it would have been just a phenomenal event this year. 
And as it was, it still turned out good. Yeah, and, and I think about that. Just I think to your comment, just the registration for the on the, the original registration, the format that came out was definitely feedback. You could see the feedback that was for the last two years in the registration process this year pr prior to coming all online. Well, I would add one thing too about you know the change. If you looked at prior masters, the recordings, right? It was typically here's the PowerPoint. Here's kind of the the 300 foot away camera shot of somebody talking, and oh by the way, we've now had you know, gosh knows that programmers don't like to interrupt conversations. <laughs> what do you mean? I interrupt <laughs> you down? Uh, derail and, and you know, I I think that one of the I think what will become one of the unexpected benefits of this is because it is, this was created for a distance audience, the ability to backtrack at this time is gonna be new. Uh, you know, cause again, it's, it's prior, you know, it was kind of keeping the, the old classes um, and the reviews is just basically, well, we ought to have an archive. That's really what it was. It was, it, it was an after the fact archive. This, provides at least a little bit more of a dynamic opportunity where say you like, like Dave was saying, you know, it might be somebody's first master. Well, if there was an item that they missed a class or they couldn't make it or they got disrupted because a call came in or something, that is the ability to rewind and go back and, and kind of work the way through. Um, you know, from a curriculum standpoint, it was, it's funny is that, I mean, for me, it was always a matter of looking at where can this grow from? How can it improve? How can it become more dynamic? Um, you know, I, I like the lessons and one of the suggestions I had is like, like my son is learning to code. He's 10. He's learning Python. And he's learning it off of this uh, service called Coda Kids. And it's phenomenal because it is a how-to video, um, you know, subjects that he likes, but steps him through the entire process of his whole Hello World program. And then real time debugging and everything else. And it was great because I was able to sit down with him, review with him where he was, you know, he was having a code problem. He was having a debugging issue. And so we had a debugging session together. But what was neat was we were able to take the video that was, you know, recorded with the screens and, and everything going on and look and go, oh, that's where that happened. So where I see the beauty of it, and like what we were talking about, I mean, you know, something we haven't talked about. We had virtual servers. We had virtual processors available to us. From the lab standpoint, you know, you didn't have to sit there and go, okay, try to pull a processor off the rack, now load the program and see how it goes, you know. So, you know, my thought was, you know, originally it's like, look, if, if you have that session one, like the prerequisite, like Dave was talking about, like you got a prereq class, right? You do the prereq, you get your virtual server or your physical server, whatever you want, your processor, and you work through your hello world application, right? And then... Once you get to lab, once you get to the live interaction, you know, again, from a curricular standpoint, then you have very specific, okay, at this point, here's where I had a challenge, you know, that's where we come into the instructor. So for me, that was exciting because like you just said, it was, it's, it's an opportunity for this to reach an audience that may not be able to in the, that may, you know, in the future for travel restrictions or whatever might not make it. And, and so you know, from what's happened being kind of the worst of all worlds to hopefully growing into the best of all of them, you know, over time, 
with, you know, I think, you know, and I, I, I think very much that the, the education team is committed to, to really honestly looking and saying, what can we do better? And to add two points to that, it was great to, to just have something different to break the day-to-day norm that's going on right now, right? Just to have something that said, okay, here's something that's not part of the day-to-day that's going on for the last 90 days. To have something like that occur at that time was good to have. And I think the other thing was they started with the the MTA classes first, and one of the things they came in, we needed a better way to ha- handle Q&A. And in that process came from the Discord channel, right? And I don't know if that was planned for initially or not, but just uh, from the first online class they did, they added another, say, hey, we hear some feedback. We added this to make it better. So there was just a wealth of information going back and forth between the chats and the questions. And it was great to do what Richie just said and say, oh, I didn't understand that. Let me back that up. It's, oh, yeah, okay. So there's definitely some advantages to the online side of this as well. Well, the other thing, you know, the, the Discord is an interesting concept because it's one that I actually look at through different, few different lenses. And I think that lens a little bit depends on almost your generation. That for, for younger developers on my team, that, that concept of being able to constantly chat is just that's, that's how they work. That's the world they live in. And so one of the things I actually observed in a lot of the classes was there's this constant stream of five or six people often just back and forth, back and forth. And sometimes they needed a little nudge and get the, the conversation back on topic. But it was, it was actually, there were a number of people that you could see that's how they were really embracing learning in this format was dialogue back and forth, the community helping others in the community when there was a question or a problem. It wasn't, I had to raise my hand for the instructor. It's, I have a, 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 probably a small stumbling block, but I can't go further, and someone else could really quickly give them the answer. I personally, on the other hand, I looked at that as a lot of noise most of the time for myself because I'm much more a focused, I want to focus on the, the person delivering the content, and I'm going to go back later and try to figure out where I got hung up. And so, again, it goes to that fact that different people learn different ways. There's no right or wrong to it. And you know, this online format, actually, I think there's going to be some in the community who really, who, who, you know, who come in and say, this was the best ever, because that aligns to just the way they consume technology on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And I think you have an interesting point with that, because if you take a look at the Discord channel, I thought it was a fire hose the whole time. And, you know, in the process of trying to answer people's questions, like, how on earth could this many questions be coming in this quick? And he's like, oh, well, look at the number of people asking questions. I'm like, oh, wow. So you're right. It, it, you at the know, same time, I, how many people, how many times, you, you know, Bernard, you and I have both been instructors at Masters. How many times have we sat in a class, asked a question, and we sit there for 20, 30 seconds, and no one raises their hand, no one answers? So, you know, it, it actually, to some, that format is more natural to interact and, to, you know, really to collaborate. So, again, it's just, it's different for, you know, again, not my preference personally, because I'm with you. I thought it was a fire hose to me, but to others, it's natural. So it's just- But as an instructor, Dave, it it had to feel good to see that many questions though, as a former instructor, instructor, because one of the things that I have always enjoyed the most out of masters was the Q and A session. You know, when they would come and talk about the roadmap or at the end of every class, they would make sure we had that time for Q and A. And that, from the years I've taken class, I've always got the most out of the Q&A sessions. 
and I mean, there was plenty of Q&A to the point that they say, okay, hey, we got a couple questions that came in here that wasn't covered on the curriculum per se, but these are great questions, and let's get that out to everybody. So I, I think it was a great that, – that right there showed a great hybrid between the two because I think the Q&A, if you take Masters, and what is the biggest thing and biggest success I enjoyed about Masters is the Q&A, hands down. I mean, I enjoyed the online learning. I, I mean, the in-person learning or learning – Overall, but I gained so much from the Q and A with my peers that that having that in place and, and being able to do that even more was a great experience. It sounds to me too, and you, and Dave, I think you and I have experienced this before. When you go to a live event, they have the that uh, Twitter conversation going on. That's kind of like a back channel, which yeah. enriches enriches the content. You know, it's people talking about what they're hearing and and having dialogue about it and but it, it can be distracting to some. So I could, I could appreciate that too. Well, as instructors also, you know, it probably reinforces um, the ability for team teaching because they're, you know, it, it's like, it, you know, again, we're learning lessons that have been out there before with moderated live events, right? You know, so typically when you've got the instructor and the instructor's job is to get that information out, they shouldn't have to worry about real time. Like Bernard was saying, looking out of the corner of their eye and trying to type as quick as they can, you know, to respond to a question that's, you know, as a team, as a team teacher, you know, one acts as the moderator. One is the one that's teeing these questions up. One of this one is saying, Hey, you know, putting a pin in this and saying, yes, we're coming back to this. Yes, we're working. I mean, there, 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 there's so much ability to, you know, create a, 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 different digital curriculum. And that's what we're talking about. I mean, this is creating a new form of curriculum. And it's an opportunity, like we were talking about before, is that, you know, like, it's happening in schools right now, right? If you think about it, there's schools that are saying that they're going to be 100% in person. There's schools that are saying that they're going to be 100% digital. And there's schools that are saying they're going to be a hybrid model. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing more and more from a training standpoint, which is great, because if you can't physically be there for whatever reason, that shouldn't be a reason for you to miss out. <laughs> um, you know, and like Dave was saying, if you feel you learn better in a physical classroom with, you know, flesh and blood people and being able to see the instructor's eyes and, and, you know, and also being able to put your phone on silence for a three hour class, um, then that's going to be effective. And so, you know, again, I, I think what this opened up is that the ability that, like Dave was saying, it's the ability to cater to different learning styles, but we never necessarily haven't really, we've acknowledged it, but we haven't focused on it. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I guess, you know, that I personally missed in the online only event was the, I don't want to say off hours, but the, the, the time interacting and, and just meeting up with, you know, with peers, with, with this group, with others that weren't sitting in the class, you know, the, the 15 minutes or half hour between classes of, you know, talking with Steve about that project that we worked together on six months ago. How did it turn out of talking about, you know, sitting around at lunch with a group hearing the discussion of some challenges that, you know, that Bernard and Rich were talking about and had, and, oh yeah, I've had that problem too. Did you, were you able to solve it? Oh, you were? How did you do it? You know, there, there's so much value in events like Masters and some of the other, other big events of the industry in that, just that social dialogue. And that's one of the pieces that, you know, 
I mean, if you go back in the recordings, I probably sound like a broken record because I think I bring it up on every one of these, that that is one of the most valuable things to me. And that's something that is harder to recreate in an online only event. You know, I know there was a, a Discord channel that was the social channel. And, you know, you could go, but it, it's, it's a different feeling. And again, this, this is personal preference, but, you know, but that is one of the areas that, you know, I've gotten the most value out of, you know, it's, it's how I got to know everyone in this call was through sitting down at a table and talking, you know, or sitting next to you on a bus, you know, 15 years ago, or, you know, th those, those informal interactions while, you know, to many I've had, I've had managers in my company question, well, do you really need to go? And the answer is, do you need to? We could probably debate that. But is there significant value? I will not debate. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a debate at all. Yes. Because there's going to be a time where I'm sitting behind a rack. It's Friday at 730 at night. I want to go home. And the only way I can get out of there is solving the challenge that's in front of me. And either I'll pull out a nugget that Bernard told me. Or if not, I might call out my phone and call Bernard. Yeah, Bernard works for a different company. But if I have a challenge and want to bounce an idea off, he's going to answer because we've built a relationship from an event like this. And so forging those relationships, fostering that communication is a significant value that, again, it's, it's hard to get and reinforce in an, in an online event. As we wrap up, and, and that's a great point, Dave. I was going to actually bring that up, and, and it, it's, uh, it is one component that's hard to recreate, and it, it's, it's uh, some, for some of us, and, and I think we've said this before in previous episodes uh, when we talked about these events, that's, that's one of, of the big values in, in attending them. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to see if everybody could just give like a quick um, – one or two takeaways that they got from masters, you know, whether it's a trend, a technology, something that we, we are seeing that, that the audience should know about. Um, do you want to start Bernard? Um, I think there's more areas that get asked for help than there ever has been. Um, looking at what came through discord in our community as programmers, there's nothing wrong with asking a question because I know someone will know an answer or at least point you in the right direction. So that got reinforced tenfold this year at Masters for me. Thanks, Dave. Um, I mean, I think there's, there's, you know, Crestron, especially this year, has really sort of brought into mainstream new languages. UI is based on HTML5. Uh, programming really focused on C sharp. Now it's been around for a while, but but there there's a, a stronger you know emphasis on on providing resources for individuals to learn these new these new to us languages. And I think you know two things around that really stuck out to me. One, for anyone who thinks you know, hears that and says, "Oh my goodness, I don't know where to begin. I, I I'm not even close there." Everyone's in the same boat. And by everyone, I mean almost everyone in our industry is in the same boat. So A, don't feel discouraged by that. Embrace it. There, is, there are benefits to, to learning these new languages. It's different. It's new. And, you know, Crestron realizes that and they've put, you know, that's why Masters was so heavily focused for the programmer on C Sharp and on HTML5. So, you know, that's point number one. Point number two is that, it, again, it was reinforced that 
the way you have done things in simple windows and VT Pro E is not yet going away. As with all things, there will someday come a day where they sunset those packages, but it's not anytime soon. Um, and again, part of that being the fact that, again, everyone is in the same boat of not being ready to go out and start supporting Crestron products completely with these new platforms. In the case of HTML5, it's still you know, under development. It's, still, it's, it's real, but it's still ebbing and evolving. And so you know, there's, there's a lot in the industry who get scared by that, that are, oh my goodness, they're going to put us out of work. Oh my goodness, what am I ever going to do? The end of the day, Crestron's a company in the business of supporting their ch their pr channel, building products, getting them out there, and realizing revenue from it. If they realize that nobody is, you know, or most businesses aren't ready to fully cut ties with the way we've been doing things, they're not going to pull the plug. And so, you know, I say that as as a comfort to a lot of people. I've talked with a lot of people who are, this is really cool, but I'm not ready yet. I, we, I had a discussion two days ago with one of our developers of very much that the right plan for the challenge he had was actually to start using C sharp. And he was very honest. He's like, I just don't have hours in this project to try it. And there's too much risk. And I then do it the way you've always done it. We'll get you through it. There's a way to do it. And so, you know, we still have choices, I think is the real takeaway that, you know, and Crestron reinforced that, you know, over and over again at masters this year. So I just want to tag on to that, if you don't mind. Sure. As I think what I meant to say is that the, there are so many resources out there right now in the community. Phone a friend. Post it. <laughs> ask a the question. There, there are so much resources in the, our community right now for help for any type of topic like that. That's what I took away is yep. that there's resources. Yeah, embrace the journey though. Don't don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Look, find ways that you can improve yourself, or more importantly, you can improve the business your company is doing as a result of these. That's how how companies are going to be successful. You want to take us home, Rich? Yeah, um, absolutely. Amen. Preach, brother. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, again, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is. It's a cool time. Um, you know, I think, again, the collective, we probably have like close to 100 years of collective experience between the four of us um, when you do the math. That's pretty crazy. And to think that when we started with DOS, with our first programs, and now we're talking about, you know, HTML5 and C Sharp and all of these, you know, quote unquote, real programming languages. It's, it, it's daunting and it's exciting at the same time. I know personally, I'm spending a whole lot more time with basic like hello world programs because it is way outside of my comfort zone. It's, it's gone. It was outside of what I've been doing day in and day out, but it's nice to know that I have the crutch. Like, like Dave was saying, I know that I can always rely on what I have and my experience that I've built to keep me going while I am expanding my experience and my knowledge level pushing forward. And it's scary. And exactly what Dave and Bernard were saying. Absolutely, it is. Masters is about education, but much like Cedia or much like Infocom or any of the others, Masters is about relationships. And behind every company, there's still people. Behind every program, there's still a program. And the, the biggest benefit 
is the value of that relationship that you can build with other programmers, with the people that you, who've been in the same trenches as you. And exactly, Bernard, you know, Dave can call Bernard. I've called you in the past. You've called me. You know, I, I know absolutely. It's one of those ones where you can build relationships with people that you know if you see their name on the caller ID, they wouldn't call you unless it was important. And you're in and you're like, here we go, right? And, and that camaraderie is something that comes from earning your stripes. And, uh, you know, so I hope that we can continue to create that environment as well as, you know, again, people who are traveling internationally, people who, uh, you know, are starting out or something, to give them an opportunity to kind of soften that entry as well. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be interested to see what, you know, Masters 2021 is going to look like. Absolutely. That's a good place to end. And this was a, a very uh, information-rich uh, show. And, and I appreciate everybody's insight. And, and the dialogue is always good. And, and actually, my, my takeaway, the thing that I'll just uh, tag on to that Rich just said, that one of the reasons why we have this show is because we're serving this community of programmers. And, and I think that this just kind of validates it. So uh, we want to hear from you guys and we, we want this to be more of a dialogue and a discussion. And, and uh, we, we put the information and the to topics out there. And part of this, uh, part of the uh, reason for it is because we want to continue the conversation and everybody can relate hopefully to the things that we talk about. So uh, I want to thank you guys for, for joining and for being part of it. Um, Dave Hatz from ABI Systems, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about ABI or any of the things you're working on? Yeah, so abisystems.com obviously is uh, the, the, the place to start. Um, I'm, I'm hanging out on, on the LinkedIn and the Twitters and that, but, uh, but more importantly, it's, it's really about, you know, the solutions that AVI is putting together, especially in this, you know, this, this new world that we're in, um, you know, some of the thought leadership that we're bringing into, you know, areas of, you know, of, you know, return to work strategy, really. Um, so check at avisystems.com and uh, we look forward to hearing from everyone. Thanks, uh, Bernard. Morgan from ICS Plus, how can people get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing? And if you could just give me a quick um, uh, blurb about the Crestron Advisory Board, uh, which is uh, the, the uh, it's, it's called the CAB, the CSP, uh, Crestron Solution Provider Advisory Board, uh, which you're the chair of. Yeah, so first, the uh, best way to get in touch with me and find out what we're doing is at the website, icspplusonline.com. And... The CAB is, you know, it's been around for 10 years now from the CSP community, and the CAB is a, a group of uh, 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 a group of people who rotate every two to three years, or give or take, and that help serve the pro, uh, the independent programming community. Um, and the thing that we're working on now, and one of the things we've been, one of the biggest challenges in the past, and things that we're really getting both feet in and going after this is the communication, a better way to us as the independent programmers to keep in touch with ourselves as a, 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 a keep in touch with the community as a whole. Great. And I think that that ties in very well with what we discussed today and last but not least, Rich, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to? Uh, well, you can find us on the website, uh, fragosadesign.com. You can type my name into the Googles and uh, invariably I will pop up. And as always, uh, my primary wish is that you find me here on our suite of shows on avnation.tv 
that is when I am the happiest is when you find me here either on a state of control or some of our other shows, uh, Resi week and, and AV week and so many of our other shows that, uh, we're doing it. And in fact, I want to wish a happy birthday to Bradford Ben today who turned a magical five. Oh, who is one of the core members of the AV nation squad. So I got to make sure that we give him his, his, his props. Wow. That's, that, that's good, and, and I think we'll get some credit for that. So thanks, Rich. And, and Rich is uh, a frequent guest on Resi Week. And actually, I, I uh, just want to chime in that, that that's a show that I listen to too, even though I focus a lot on, on the commercial side. But it's it's really, I think, more of the future is becoming a blend of these markets. So it should be something that uh, uh, some of the listeners who don't listen to it uh, tune into as well. Uh, as Rich said, please visit avnation.tv. Uh, that's avnation.tv to find out more about the show and all the other shows. And when you're there, visit the supporters of AV Nation to, to thank them and help, and uh, they're the ones that make this program and other programs possible. If you want to reach me, Steve Greenblatt, you can get me at my company website, controlconcepts.net, or on Twitter, LinkedIn, and the various places at just simply at Steve Greenblatt. But uh, hope to hear from you and uh, we'd like to continue this dialogue and we want to be providing content that this this audience really appreciates. So please reach out to us at any of these methods and let us know what you think and what you want to hear more of and we'll be sure to get in touch with you and follow up. So other than that, that's, that'll do it today for A State of Control. 